I can't believe I've been doing this podcast now for over two years. It's been a great ride and allowed me access to people I wouldn't have ever dared approach without it under my arm, like Scott Thompson, Henry Rollins, Lydia Chris, Tad Doyle, Chris Jericho, and Andy Kindler. It's also allowed me to be a little more social, and as a social hermit, these are big steps. When starting out, the need to get more people on the podcast quickly became apparent. My first move was to ask Nick Flanagan to sit in as co-host, schedule allowing, of course, and add the counterpoint to my stubborn temperament. After a few sessions, we realized that perhaps a guest or two would be necessary to keep the banter ball bouncing. Reaching out to people for deliberate hangs is a tall order for one such as I. I needed to be sure that the first few guests would be soft-pitch hangouts where I could lean back, relax, and let the conversation run its course without it being stripped down to nothing but a knee-jerk interview. So, in order to make it easy on me, I invited this podcast's first-ever guest, my old roommate, Brendan Canning. Brendan rose to the occasion as you can hear on episode number 10. It came off very smoothly. Well, the wheels got greased, so to speak, and we were off to the races. Inviting Wade McNeil of Alexis on Fire and Gallows fame was a master stroke. One of the first people I trepidatiously reached out to upon this podcast's start. Wade was someone that I knew I could converse with easily after our respective bands had crossed paths a few times out on the road. Now, two years into it, Wade, like Damian Abraham from Fucked Up, has become one of the go-to guys for this podcast. The old reliable, if you will, that can be trusted to punch up an episode by their very presence regardless of whether or not they have something to plug. Maybe it's because Wade is a very well-traveled man about town with years of experience that enables him to reel off a few tales at the drop of a hat. Maybe it's because Wade can go tete-a-tete with the likes of Nick Flanagan, which can oftentimes lead to a series of guffaws. Or perhaps it's that smooth, raspy voice of his that can at times hypnotize the listener into listening. Whatever the case may be, I am very happy to start the year off with Wade McNeil, a member of this podcast's tiny club, The Black Coffee Brigade, where membership is given after three or more appearances. And so it should be a brigadier to kick off the podcast for 2014. This episode in particular was one where Nick and I hadn't seen each other for a while, and Wade and I hadn't seen each other for even longer. There was a lot of catching up that was done off mic. And that's a dangerous thing to do when you're doing a podcast because you run the risk of running out of stuff to talk about. A cool 45 minutes was tossed off like it was nothing when it should have been captured on the mic. By the time we started rolling, there had been no less than four restarts due to our tired jaws and trying to stem off our collective hankering for lunch. Still, we're professionals here. Or at least we've done this before. And we managed to yammer through. Thanks again to Blue Mic Microphones for the Yeti mics that we use to record this podcast, and to the Skull Candy headphones that I use not only for the, this podcast, but for everyday life. And of course, thank you to you 
for listening to this podcast. I really can't believe it when someone tweets that they've listened to an episode or they say they've listened to all the episodes. As far as I know, I'm just recording and editing these episodes for myself. I put it out into the ether like a message in a bottle. So it's nice to know sometimes when the message was received. If you've been listening to this podcast and you haven't left a message yet on iTunes, please do if you can. I'm not asking you to. If you don't want to, don't worry about it. But it would be great if you could. It boosts the podcast's rating and, let's be frank, makes us look good. Okay, so here we go. This is Wade McNeil of Gallows, Alexis on Fire, Black Lungs, you name it. It's Dirty Black Lungs himself on the official Danko Jones podcast and it starts now. And the podcast has started again. <laughs> the mood is tense. <laughs> We've got a tense mood podcast. Jesus it's been Christ. a while since I've podcasted with you Danko and an even longer while since I've done so with you Wade. almost an entire year has passed hard to believe it is hard to believe actually feels like nothing has happened and yet so much has changed things are different you have less facial hair than last time I got a haircut on my face nice haircut I didn't like the way my beard was looking and now that it's gone I don't like the way that my face is looking no your face is handsome are you having one of those uh, Portuguese uh, butter tarts that you that were making you break out last time we spoke? Two no, I, I, I figured out my uh, <laughs> my uh, teenage acne problems, and they yeah. were all related to the amount of sugar that I was having at the <laughs> Portuguese bakery next to the jam space. Right. So yeah. I got that. I nipped that in the bud. So that that happened this year. You nipped your sugar <laughs> issues in the bud. You got it. That's beautiful. Hey, sorry about all the construction. If this is bleeding into okay. the podcast. It just sounds like old modem. You know? It sounds like there's an old modem. You know who else shaved their beard and looks really handsome? Nick Flanagan. I actually am very dapper today-ish. Did I bring up the, the thing on your chin Oh, already? God. I think you might have the last time I saw you. But before I go into that, Matisse Yahoo was the answer. He shaved his Hasidic beard. Uh, Hasidic reggae artist Matisse Yahoo shaved his beard. God, he looks like... He's so beautiful. I want to sit on his face. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> um, where do we go from that? That I want to sit on Matis Yahoo's <laughs> I think we go everywhere. That really, yeah, in my mind, that France. really opens it up. I saw Wade, Wade in McNeil. Australia. You got, when? After we did the last podcast with him and George. Earlier this year? Earlier this year. Yeah. Um, we played the Soundwave Music Festival together. It was fun to see Wade. You know the best. I think the one of the one of because there are so many great moments, but one of the funniest moments was when um, we went to the Metallica barbecue, and all the members of Metallica were there. But one especially was James Hetfield. He was making the rounds of the barbecue, making sure he introduced himself to all the bands. Nice Hetfield's to meet you. <laughs> yeah, and there, <laughs> little ATV would <with> like, <laughs> and and I, I was watching Wade. Wade was the coolest of all the cools, oh. and he just stood there and waited for James to come to him. Meanwhile, I'm fucking following James. I'm, right. I'm a loser. And then there's this one point where James is talking to some dudes from Gallows, some dudes from Fucked Up. You were in there. Just this old circle of people. 
And then JC comes up to you and he goes, hey, hey, he just says, hey. And then like, you turn, this is what JC told me later. You turn to him and just totally cool go, uh, excuse me, man. I'm I'm talking to James Hetfield right now. <laughs> he turned back. <laughs> Who did you say that to, JC? <laughs> JC was like, "Hey, man, uh, nice to see you." And he's like, uh, "Excuse me, man. I'm, I'm talking to James Hetfield right now." And he just turned around and kept talking to him. Well, as much as I love JC, um, I tried to. I think hey. I don't remember this happening, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Put in that situation, I think I would handle it in a similar way today. Yeah. <laughs> like, JC, really great to see you. You got to fuck off. I'm talking to someone from Metallica right now. Totally. Yeah. And you know what I was talking to about? Surfing and the band Discharge. That's great. And which, really? which does he like better? Yeah, I was going to ask. Well, see, I don't know exactly how they fit into one another. Um, he would just, he had just left, uh, Hetfield had just left uh, Hawaii where he was oh. surfing, doing a solo time. Mm. getting those riffs in order mm-hmm. and uh, doing some surfing and then we started talking about the UK specifically his favorite band Discharge because when you think about surfing you think about the UK <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of beaches yeah There's... when you think about the UK you think about great food great weather happy people spacious, no one trying spacious. to fight you on the tube spacious living conditions <laughs> But that was fun. Uh, we saw each other in Australia. And then um, any more run-ins with you? I don't think so, no. no. That's it. So that keeping my head down. Yeah? Well, we had a pretty huge run there. I mean, Australia was uh, really good. We got there. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give the Cancer Bats guys a call. It's the afternoon, not getting anything too crazy. Go have a coffee with Liam, maybe. Mm. Liam didn't answer his phone. Mm-hmm. So I went over and uh, saw a bunch of the uh, Gallows dudes. And uh, Mastodon wasn't there, but their whole crew was for some reason. At Soundwave? Yeah. Oh, because of uh, Slayer and Anthrax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a bunch of Slayer's crew and yeah, stuff yeah. Uh, was in the hotel room with uh, the rest of the Gallows dudes. Darren then, was there. Yeah, and then things just escalated really quickly. Oh, Everyone wow. was drinking scotch out of wine glasses because it was the only glasses in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. But then the problem with that is you start drinking scotch at the velocity that you right. would drink wine. Yeah. Then you're at the Metallica barbecue. And then uh, and it just you're playing black. a show. Right. 24 hours later. 48 hours after that, you're in a different city. You don't have your wallet or your passport. Ouch. <laughs> Did that yeah, happen? You to lost you? your wallet, right? And your passport. I remember that. Did you find that any of them? Uh, I got the passport back. That's amazing. Well, really, that's what you really need. That's the most important. I mean, that'll thing. get you out of the country, which is like so key, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Australia is a good place to be stuck in, though. Right. Pretty good place, but unfortunately, we were, uh, we were following it up with Thailand and China. You need your sure, passport. So I needed my passport. You need your passport. So yeah. this year you've been to a lot of... Was that... Had you been to Thailand and China before? No, it was my first time. I, w- I also with went to Thailand up. this year. You went with Fucked Up to Thailand and China this year? And how was it? It was the best. Yeah. Um, it was really good. Uh, the uh, I said Thailand. I meant Taiwan. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But that was the first time I played shows there, but I have been to Thailand before. It's the best. I really want to really go play. I, w- I couldn't believe it. It was like... What, you played with Brutal Nights? No, I just went and I did that ad there, which you're showing. If you're airing this after like yes, January, yes, then yes, yeah, I right. did this ad there. And it was like. Your face plastered on the side of Tuk Tuk's <laughs> all across the country. Right. My 
My my face tattooed on um, like a hooker's back. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, no, uh, I thought Bangkok was like just really incredible. That was really the only part of Thailand I saw, and even and I know that that's like just touching the sort of skimming the surface of like all of the pretty stuff there. But uh, I just how thought, did it feel being in in that in being there? Without uh, any band show to play or any like comedy, well, because it was an ad, it felt similar. You know, oh, like it was like this. You didn't feel like condensed amount of time. I mean, it was actually it was almost like you feel you felt more like a high end version of a comedian or a musician there because you've got a guy like who's driving you everywhere. You know, you've got people caring a lot about you know where you are at every second and like you know they were trying to get me to not eat. Uh, like that many street food or anything because they didn't want me to get sick for the shoots, you know. So it felt it, it felt like a heightened version. If I were in Brutal Nights and doing that or whatever, I mean, I don't even know. It, it seems like Thailand has a problem where it's just not um, that oriented, no pun oh my God. intended. You really went there? To... Do you mean Taiwan now? <laughs> no, I do mean okay. Thailand. Uh, Go on, you're saying oriented? No. Uh, towards uh, like punk rock and stuff on like a, a huge level. It seems like they're more about you know uh, singers and country music and like the biggest pop hits. This is just such a small my three day take on it. You know, I think everywhere yeah. you when I think back about my my trip to Thailand, I definitely think about exactly all the top forty. Yeah, like dance. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like Euro dance yeah. stuff. Like. You know, just David Guetta everywhere, mm-hmm. like that whole trip, and it's it's something that you kind of just connect with. It's blaring out of all mm-hmm. the bars. And what about country music? Did you hear any there? Like top forty country? I heard um, that was definitely what was getting played yeah. by. If you ever saw anybody like a local guy with an acoustic guitar, he was singing. Yeah, country. wow, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that was like my experience was you know the guy who was driving me, just like regular dude or whatever. I would just put on music at one point a CD, and it was a mixture of like. Macklemore and like Trace Adkins and you know maybe uh, like like Daft Punk but like the super dance you know so just exactly what you're talking about like such a funny mix of, of things and of course because I'm so far away hearing these songs suddenly I'm liking them better yeah exactly I'm like thrift shop has like a pretty good beat you know <laughs> that just means you're like psyched to be there yeah exactly but um so you went to Thailand and China or Taiwan and China yeah so after Australia we flew to Taiwan. Uh, we played some shows with Fucked Up over there. That's awesome. Um, so it was really cool. Taiwan was really interesting. It felt like felt like being at a punk show in the late 90s to me. <laughs> um, where there wasn't enough of a, of a scene to really support the show. Yeah. So the show was full of weirdos. Yeah, yeah. And it really, it really was awesome. Like everybody at the show had a well-known role. Just make, keeping it all together. Yeah, just there's there's, yeah. there's not enough. Like, I, I mean, you mm-hmm. go to a show in any major city, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you go, everyone like looks the same. They've all got you know, fucking Coliseum back patches, even though you don't see them at the Coliseum show. <laughs> Whatever plugs, so, you know. Yeah, it's, so yeah, that's a bullseye right there. So um, yeah, it's like there. Everyone wasn't wearing you know black jean jackets right it was there was some older like expatriate bros from england there because you know the band grew up in england Mm -hmm. and there was some like super there's a super goth couple which i really really loved (laughs) a Um, chinese couple uh in taiwan yeah i I just taiwanese yeah taiwanese sorry sorry, Um, my bad so uh got it thank you (laughs) thank you dango 
Um, and yeah, there was just kind of people from all these walks of life, and there was it was really cool. You know, there's a few people on vacation that were like, "Oh my god, can't believe you're playing here." And uh, it was a small show, and it was really, really cool. Everyone was there and just totally into it, totally open to everything. It was at this great club called The Wall. And then um, the next day, uh, we played in Hong Kong. And, That's cool. Uh, it was, That's cool. It was really, really cool. That was Man, that really felt that. like a that really felt like a punk show. It was at this so DIY awesome. venue. Um, a bigger crowd. Bigger crowd. Right. Uh, more I would think crazy raucous kind of crowd really mixed uh, ty- like amount of people like the same way as, as no more it, it felt more like you know older people that go to these shows all awesome. the time and it was it was like bring your own booze and it was this shady place in the industrial dr- district and it was the fucking best and yeah. um, because it was totally DIY the promoter um Got so drunk. She was drinking bottles of wine like they were beer. I remember coming off and her teeth just like totally black from the wine. And she was like, just telling telling me to be more wild. Like on stage or just in your life? I think both. You must be more, you must be more wild. That's And giving me the wine. Telling me to be more wild. Did you? Did you take the wine? You took. The I wine. took the wine and I tried to be more wild. Uh-huh. Took my shirt up. off. Uh-huh. You could not keep up with her, man. Couldn't keep up with her. No. I know Sick. the type. I've. We've all seen that. Yeah. But what was really good is she brought us and fucked up out to this. Uh, the way I remember it, it's like uh, it's like some sort of mahjong. Uh, gambling hall awesome. slash restaurant. Yeah. That's awesome. And just ordered some. I'm very adventurous about food, but there was uh-huh. some wild stuff going down there. So, and there was just old dudes gambling and cockfighting and shit like and that. And we were just like, it was nuts. Wow. It was a really cool night. It's quite, I, I mean, that was like this, this world travel stuff. You guys are both have both done it a lot, but I mean, I, I, I wound up going to like South Africa and Thailand in this trip, and it was just like, really just blew my mind in in terms of just and it sounds so lame i was like just like this world is like it's big there's a lot of things going on right now that don't involve even north america <laughs> you know and i told this to this african uh friend of mine he was like you canadians are so funny like of course, that's how it is working. Why wouldn't there be a bunch of other stuff happening? You're you so actually sheltered. told someone this? I told an African. No, no, in Canada, I told him that oh. because I knew that we outnumbered him. Right. Here. It was safe. It was, it was safe. safe. <laughs> I, could, I could say what I wanted. But, but he had that perspective to put you in your place. Yeah. And I mean, he was right. And I wasn't really saying it. I, didn't, like, I know that revelation is not a revelation. But at the same time, it's it's important to note. I feel like we're very self. Where in South Africa did you go? Oh, Cape Town. I think that's the only South Africa. Safe, safe. Maybe in South Africa. New, new, yeah, new, yeah. By that's my impression. <laughs> By that impression, I take it it was a one-time visit. <laughs> yeah, I just I that mean. was incredible. Like I, we I zoned out. I got lost for a second. The room, Me too. the room disappeared, and you were Leonardo DiCaprio in Blood Diamond. You <laughs> So when we did with Scott Middleton podcast, you did a what did you do? You did a Japanese no. No, <laughs> no. I, I'm sure it was that. Do a Japanese impression. 
Hey, by the way, you know how we got Scott on the podcast? Scott Middleton. That's what I call him. I I was following you on Instagram, and you guys were out one night, and you were taking photos of it and and posting it on Instagram. And I was like, hey, why don't we get Scott on? So I reached out to him based on your Instagram photos. We were like, Scott really knows how to chug a beer bong. Wade's Instagram photos. Yeah, but you were looking at a picture of Scott, and he was chugging the beer bong in this fake scenario I've created. I'm sure you guys weren't. I'm sure you were doing something very classy on this night. We no, were at you were Sneaky, at Sneaky D's. D's. Okay. <laughs> we were at Sneaky D's after a Rob Zombie concert. <laughs> oh, it was Rob Zombie? Yeah. That's great. How was the Where Rob else Zombie? am I going to run into Scope? Yeah, <laughs> you know, he is. He loves. We actually talked about, about White Zombie. White Zombie. Yeah. Here's yeah, all talk. I'm going to say about the Rob Zombie show. We were upstairs having a beer with the Mastodon guys before the show. Uh-huh. And uh, Brett was like, get ready for this dancing, man. And I was like, okay. And then. Sure thing, the show, I mean, there's so much pyro and so much insane guitar soloing and, and movies and sure. so much stuff. But the real star of the show is Rob Zombie's dance moves. What? Like, you think he'd be intense, in yeah. right? Know. Like, spooky? Know. He's, like, super funky, yeah, like, like, Studio 54 type. Like, it's wild. train kind of dancing? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> wow. That's Groove is in the heart. <laughs> That's it. That's I, it. Who knew he had a heart? You know. Well, you know what? Yeah. If there's one way to sell a Rob Zombie show to me, it's it's that way. Funky he, dancing. Funky dancing. Yeah. I would That's never I have thought. Fat beats. The pyro, the loud guitars, not so much. Funky dancing. There always was a sign me up. Dancey thing sure. to him. But he always did yeah. that in White Zombie. He'd always. Yeah. If you look back now, I guess now after I hear that, there's yeah. more of a. Just because there's trail effects on him dancing in the video doesn't mean he's not dancing. I feel like there are parts of the videos where he'll be doing this or something, and it'll just be obscured by the fact there's some babe with a skull mask next to him doing this. I think it's one of those situations where you need to have it pointed out to you to really comprehend it, and then you go back and you think, oh, my God. He's always been doing this. He's always been funky. But you've always been here, Rob Zombie's dance moves. (laughs) Exactly. You've always been the caretaker of Rob Zombie's career. I don't know. I feel really off tonight, today, guys. I feel like... We were on, but off the mic, we were on. Were we on? I feel like we were on our period. We're all, we're all mad about it. We're, well, we got, we're what all furious. Oh, I'm so mad about everything. I'm going to run a lyric by you, Okay. <laughs> Right. What do you think about this as a mantra? No new friends. Drake, <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> I love Drake. Degrassi. I've been, I, dude, you're so. That's true. Locals only. No new friends. All this stuff. Very true. Except lately, I found that, uh, you know, I'm trying to like, I'm kind of trying to switch cities. And so you need new friends. Yeah, you go there and you need it's a like, couple. Or at least the, the friends you've made down there, you need to become better friends with, or something. Knowing know? the city you're talking about, you're you mean famous friends? I'd love a few famous friends, uh, but right now I'll settle for famous podcasters being better friends or famous. You want to farm me? You want to farm me? You want to farm me? Who wants to buy a farm? That would be my game show. I'm going to move to Los Angeles to try to do. Who wants to buy the farm? Is this how you workshop your your sets, <laughs> Nick? I work, I shop. They're two separate things. <laughs> that is comedy as I understand it, though. Yeah. Which is the thing that blows my mind the most. Is Workshopping? 
Well, you just go out and work on it, right? You just work on your oh your set in I'm front of people, do, right? So I'm doing so many shows now, and like that are nothing, you know, not nothing, but they're just like, you know, I did a show at a local bar on Dundas yesterday, you know, uh, doing a show tonight at like a, a lesbian bar, uh, you know, just in, in Toronto and doing it all the time because I'm just paranoid that it's never going to be. It's just the same kind of idea that you need to practice. You know, sometimes three times a week or something, or two times a week. You know, it's so close to rehearsing as an idea that, and it's so, it's really irritating. And it's also like I don't. Sometimes it feels like it's actually counterintuitive. Sometimes, you know what I mean? If you go to like a sports bar and there's like a mic, like that barely works, and like nobody knew there was going to be comedy. I mean, I feel like I've covered this kind of thing before. That here, that is yeah. the process, though, correct? Like from someone that's doing an open mic night at Yuck Yucks to like. Chris Rock, like you go out and work. I mean, there your is, stuff, right? I, I think comedy is such a giant world right now that it's like you. Your process is your own. You know what I mean? Like if you can make it work by writing a bunch of things and then doing a bunch of like sort of advertised shows, and you're just you were somehow rehearsing it in some other way, whether it's you were doing like a bunch of podcasting and joking around. You know, if like, I think that if you're in a good creative space, like, you know, there's ways around just doing open mic and now I'm on Wednesdays at Yuck Yucks and now I'm doing clubs all around Canada, you know? I, I just, I, you know, but I've actually, but then again, I've really forced myself into that world of like four to six, uh, you know, like three to six shows a week and, and sets a week and just trying to, you know, build because... It's hard to get more than seven minutes that are good. So if you want to get to like 20 minutes that are good, oh my God, right? And ugh. It blows my mind because as a musician, I look at that like being, okay, well, let's book a show mm -hmm. and then have band practice. Yeah. It's insane. Mm -hmm. It's completely insane. How does uh, Larry the Cable Guy do it, though? Because he's the best. <laughs> does he have a team of writers? He must, right? He has, he has, like one, he has one teen writer. He's a teen of writers. He has a teen of writers, and it's, uh, it's this one-toothed uh, sort of simple boy <laughs> from, from Alabama, a small town in Alabama. <laughs> And uh, no, I mean this Larry, is not your way to get an opening slot on one of his shows. I, I mean, Larry, Larry, can I finish? Holy shit, Dana Carvey, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bring up the Dana Carvey Ross Perot impression. Uh, I don't know, like uh, Larry the Cable Guy is not my uh, uh, target demo. I would rather I find like I really sometimes you retweet me Wade it's always really good I feel like we actually have a lot of the, uh, clear, maybe the same type of sense of humor and then fans your fans seem to have a similar sense of humor that makes me feel good you uh, Danko sometimes do I retweet you occasionally I think I favor occasionally it. or you'll do something supportive that's always helpful too favoriting it, favoriting your tweets is more like me saying spot on yeah I like I like uh, I like doing <laughs> that too uh, um I don't know. I kind of want to like. I I feel like the band comedy thing that there is like a comparison, you know, and and there's something like what you're saying with like you book a show and then you rehearse for the show is like, sort of like you know I I'm working towards something right now. Like I'm working towards the shows that not matter, but like you know I'm doing the show in Hamilton on Friday. I'm super excited. George's uh, wife Megan. Oh, is nice. going to be on the show oh, doing comedy. There, there's you know the I spent a lot of time in Hamilton now. Do you really? I'm co-hosting a radio show with 
Barry Taylor. Out there. Oh, you're doing that? Yeah, every Monday night. Is it Y108? No way, really? Yeah. Oh my God. Y108. Y108. The indie show. I We had such a great time. Uh, Hamilton was so good the last time I was there. The show was like packed and they were, it was it was like the best crowd ever. And uh, it's, it's such a rock and roll city. I don't understand, you know, why it's, why it sort of has a more, why there's less bullshit about just doing that there than there is, say, in Toronto, where it's like this gross mixture of. So, so wait, how did you get the Y108 show? Yeah. Uh, I went in and co-hosted the show with Barry one week. And then when we were finishing up, he like put me on the spot and said, okay, well, you'll come back and join us next week, right? Yeah, sure. Oh. Came back next week. And then after we finished up that show, he said the same thing. And then in between those shows, just asked me if I wanted to do it with him every week. So how, how cool. long is the show? It's an hour show. And uh, it's cool, man. I mean, it's all, it's all Canadian stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, we, we pick the, the playlist every week. And it's an all-Canadian rock show. Yeah. That's kind of neat, man. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. We're, I mean, we're lucky. There's a bunch of incredible bands from this country. So, I don't know. We've been playing stuff by, you know, Fucked Up and Mets and the Cancer Bats yeah. and White Lung and New Sensei. I mean, that's killer. And yeah. I think Barry is, like, a pretty interesting guy. I mean, we were actually talking about him, like, a moment. Like, I brought him up earlier because, you know, we were talking about radio. And I guess he's a guy who just sort of had a moment away from radio, started doing stand-up, you know. Has this label comedy records he does there, and and then, and then, but he's still a radio guy. He's just all over, and he still lives in Hamilton. Like no, he lives up here. He lives. He lives here now. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure, but um, and you you also you you also do oh sorry you also do stuff with Indie eighty eight. I did I did some stuff for them when they were getting started. Um, I hosted like they had a bunch of presenters in for the whole launch up to the station, Uh so I hosted like an hour. And that was just a one-time shot thing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely in my time off from Gallows this year. Uh, I thought instead of starting a new band for once in my life on that small fraction of time off, I'd try and do something a little bit different. So I've been doing a bunch of radio stuff. I've been doing some work with Ox TV, which is... And I've seen seen some of the clips, and they're really good. I, I really like it. You do movie reviews. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I recorded a bunch of stuff around Halloween for you know really bizarre movies to watch up until Halloween. Cheesy, schlocky. Yeah, most I think the majority of the stuff that's really not that frightening. Was there one in particular you might uh, that? Yeah, I think you know we did a review for Blood Diner. I've never seen Blood Diner, which is a film about two brothers that own a the hottest vegetarian restaurant in town, Mm. and so when they're Uncle gets reanimated oh, okay. and wants them to bring back the ancient Lumerian goddess Sheetar. It happens. It happens. Um, luckily, they've got this restaurant so they can start uh, chopping up really loose women Oh yeah, and uh, preparing them for the blood feast, Right, which is sold out months in advance, and uh, <laughs> to bring back Sheetar. Right. It's the worst. It sucks. You know, there's such a... Uh, upmarking of tickets to the Blood Feast on like so, like Craigslist and stuff these days. It's really depressing, you know. Did, so is this? <laughs> Why is can't this the show on get into Ox TV? Yeah, it's like a weekly show on Blood Ox Feast. now. That's me, great. Me talking shit about nonsensical horror movies. You are becoming the king or prince of media, king of all media in 
Ontario. So, like, why did you get the idea that you wanted to do stuff like radio, you know? I think it actually started with the the hour I did for Indie 88. You yeah. know, I got asked to come in and, you know, DJ for an hour. Right. And so I actually, aside from, you know, when you do your friend's podcast or if you're doing interviews mm-hmm. when you're on tour... I mean, I was very much in control of the hour, and I selected the programming, and and you know, knew what I was going to talk about for the hour, yeah. and and I really didn't think I would probably enjoy it that much, mm-hmm. you know, and it it very much turned into something that I think I want to keep doing, and and uh, I definitely like to you know put down some more roots in Toronto. I've lived here for like seven years. Yeah, I feel like I know nothing about the city. Really, I have a house here. <laughs> Never here. I'm always on tour. Yeah, you're always on tour. Why do you do wading with Wade? That's gonna wade into, into it. I just described the feeling wade. of uh, slowly entering different water, different bodies, bodies of marshes and bugs. Yeah, let's wade into it. Yeah. Wade, I like it. Wade into it. Or McNeil Before God. A religious podcast. That's a good one, dude. You gotta do it. That's real McNeil good. He's just talking about God. ancient um just talking about ancient like religions and stuff. I'm actually kind of into the idea of you doing that. I like the idea of McNeil before God, <laughs> right? And here's what I here's what I here's what I'm imagining. Huge produced slick intro, you know what I mean? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So I'm gonna so outsource sure. it someone to LA. Yeah. Somehow using like 3D technology for an audio podcast. You got it. You got it. And yeah. then I pick, um, I pick those really um, obscure references from the Old Testament <laughs> that um, you know people can uh, essentially act horrible. In right. their daily lives, and then reference these things, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, just really get into those specific things, you know. So you'll be kind of pointing out like loopholes in the Bible that people can use to act. Well, I thought I thought maybe you have this great, well produced intro, but then the meat of the podcast is recorded on like a Sony Walkman. Sure, yeah, or it's like you just are talking into a cup. <laughs> There's like an iPhone. Far away, or taping it, you know, like it's all done on the the iPhone voice technology. I, is that a technology? Is that a it's deep technology? Deep, man. okay. Because <laughs> I've got, um, you know, in Home Alone two, the uh, recording device he uses to play back his father's voice, so he can it, book the that? reservation at oh the God. at the Fairmont. I've the, got that. That got still that? works. So you actually have the one from Home Alone two. <laughs> how, like many, how many cassette tapes I've got do you that have? and I've got a hoverboard. <laughs> oh, oh wow! <laughs> Hang on to that. How, how many cassettes? That's only going to go up in value. <laughs> how many cassettes do you have to do this podcast? Do you have to I'm re- going to need some. I'm going to I'm going to look for a Maxell yeah. endorsement. <laughs> yeah. But uh, right. right now I've got one two thousand tapes. You know what? TDK, underrated company. BASF. Ooh, Bassif. Wasn't Bassif mostly video? Is that how though? you say it? I say BASF. I say Bassif. Well, well. <laughs>